Blog Talk Radio. September 12, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, objectivism. That philosophy uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host here, Amy Peikoff, and I'm going to be joined pretty soon, I believe, by cartoonist Bosch Fossen. We're doing one of those fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants sort of days here today, I'm afraid. Uh, various things going on. Um, hmm, I think I'm getting a message from Bosch as we speak here on my computer, and yet he is not here. I, I hope he will be here soon. In any event, we've got a lot to discuss, and as you can tell from the intro that I just said, the title is a little bit facetious today. The title of today's show is, This Show is Not Objectivist, and you'll understand why I titled it that today. Uh, in just a few minutes, but you can go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and see the program notes. That's the links to all the stories and things that we plan to discuss. Again, that's don'tletitgo.com. Go ahead and check that out if you haven't yet. And if you'd like to join in live at the show, if you're listening live right now at 8 p.m. Pacific time, you can go to Blog Talk Radio's chat room and listen there. Or you can also, oh, excuse me, yeah, just go in the chat room, not just listen. Type. People are there. They're typing us messages already. We've got John. We've got Stuart. We have Nielsen. Mikael is already giving us a link to a story that I think will be relevant, so thank you for doing that. And you can call in if you want to talk about any of the stories that we have planned. The number to call is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. One seven, and I think I hear Bosch now. Is that you? This is not Bosch Boston. <laughs> Whoever this is, it has nothing to do with being a Bosch-like person. Zero. Zero. This is not Pigman's uh, father. <laughs> do you have your headphones turned on? Can you hear me in your headphones? Yeah, okay. I definitely can. Okay, excellent, excellent. Hello, We're everyone. Here. Just Good made evening. it. Stuart says he's reporting for unselfish duty here. <laughs> and uh, it's good to see John and Nielsen and Mikhail and everyone back. Always. Thanks, guys. You have to pronounce what AC Craig has put here in the chat room. I can't. I you can't, can't do it? I, I could do it. What's up? I don't know. What up? What's up? That's what it was. I it can't. was the what's up, guys. I think Budweiser. 
I, I, I'm either not capable of doing it or I've wow. just decided that I'm going to yeah. say that I'm not. It lasted for a while. I think a few years. <laughs> I think the longest beer one, though, is, is the most interesting man in the world. I think that still goes on, and, 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 and it's still good. That series of beer yeah. commercials? Very you know, it might just be that you're old that you still like those. Probably. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I am old. It really could be. So this, this show is not an objectivist show. No, no. Of course not. No. I mean, you know, it's, it's called Don't Let It Go Unheard, and it's named after an essay that is was written by Ayn Rand. No, it was not written by her. Well, the essay was written oh, by her. Okay. Right, so, right? Okay. Uh-huh. So, 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 so we've named the show after an essay that was written by Ayn Rand. Her philosophy is objectivism, but this show, no, 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 it's nothing, not It's not objectivist. No way. Zilch, nothing at all. Zero. Now, did you feel it, just, uh, just to be extra clear why we're doing it? Yeah. Some know, some might not know. Who knows? I may have started a scandal. They think Amy Peikoff left objectivism or something, but as you probably know, I mean, it, it depends. Some people want to avoid all exposure yeah. to anything that Barack Obama says. I don't blame says, them. I can't and, watch and the I guy. Don't, I don't blame them at all. I can read excerpts, period. I can't stand his voice. I can't stand the way he speaks. You know. Do you remember the ball that we had talked about? Yeah. Should we grab it? Yeah. Okay. We have we have like a new way to communicate here in the Blog Talk studio. Actually, our own studio. But uh, Bosch is going to try to figure it out. We can use any old object, you know. It doesn't have to be the one that we discussed. <laughs> Bosch has in mind a particular object that we're going to be passing back and forth as we have our discussion this evening. We think it's going to make for a better conversation. Again, join in here at the chat room if you want, and you can also call in 760-888-5817. Let's go ahead and dive into the thing that some people may have avoided and yet it inspired the title of tonight's show, and it is the transcript of Barack Obama's address on the ISIS strategy. Notice that I linked you to the transcript. I am a very kind talk show host. I am not going to be playing you an audio clip. Yeah, I think this will work. I'm not going to play you an audio clip of Barack Obama. I don't want to make you throw up this evening. Yes. You probably just had dinner. And so instead, I'm going to do something that might nauseate you slightly, which is actually discuss what the man said. But as you know, he gave a speech, and he went ahead and outlined a strategy. And in order to make it sound like an impressive strategy, like the type that you would expect after your president put you off and decided not to name a strategy for quite a while, he ended up having some four-pronged strategy, and we'll talk about what it is. But... One of the, I would say, the most offensive thing in the entire speech, and the one that has, I think, generated the most discussion, is when Obama talks about who is our current enemy in this war against jihad. And our current enemy is a group that Obama likes to call ISIL. And there is some story. Do you know what the story is behind ISIL so versus ISIS? It's used the word the Levant. I guess this has to do with the Middle East. But it also, I think it doesn't, uh, I'm not sure if it includes or doesn't include Israel. It's something someone was trying to extract from, from, from this thing. But from what I, from what I gather, the quickest thing is to say that he's saying this because he doesn't want to name uh, what's called the country Syria. Syria, right. Because he threatened to blow that country up last year. Well, right? and then listen to this, yeah. right? I mean, when you hear what his strategy is. Well, he has no strategy, but he says Well, but, yeah. he has a strategy now, yeah. and his strategy is going to conveniently allow him to pursue what he wanted to do in Syria right. 
last year. So he doesn't want to call it Islamic State in Syria because that would basically make it that he's going to be, in effect, toppling Assad and leaving the way open for For, Islamic State to take over in Syria. Which is what he did with with Egypt and some other countries where he basically said, all right, guys, let the worst savages possible take over Egypt. Mubarak was a piece of crap, but he was a controllable piece of crap. Muslim Brotherhood aren't, and uh, they got to hand it to them. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's one of the best things that happened in the Obama era, where Egypt rejected the scum Brotherhood. Unbelievable. Definitely. And Obama would have had them. He backed them up, you know, and he's been threatening not to give money to Egypt the way we, we, you know, we always have. We shouldn't, but the way we always have, and supposedly he's still paying them. So he's just full of crap. But he's our president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just be uh, so respectful, so respectful. It's impossible. So uh, he, until, he re- until he respects the office. So he he says at this moment the greatest threats come from from the Middle East and North Africa, where radical groups exploit grievances for their own gain. And one of those groups, not just one out of many, is ISIL, which calls itself the Islamic State. And then here comes the bad part of the speech. Though I mean, well, the bad part, the worst part. Now let's make two things clear, he says. ISIL is not Islamic. <laughs> and this is, this is his explanation of why ISIL is not Islamic. He says, no religion condones the killing of innocents, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim. Now, How many members of ISIL are Muslim? ISIS. How many members? Just, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, the percentage. Right, right. Of ISIS members. The, How many of them are Muslim? That, that's right. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, I have, I have to ask. Uh-huh. How many? You know. Just tell me. Uh-huh, 100%. 100%. Yes. So when people, other, you know, conservatives do this also, they kill more Muslims. What does that mean to us in, our, in their war against us? Nothing. Right. It's trying to get some sympathy from us. Yeah, it's okay. Here, hold it. <laughs> um, but so here, here's the thing. I wanted to parse this little line a little, right? Because he says, no religion condones the killing of innocents and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim. In the Quran, the only person who qualifies as an innocent is someone who is Muslim. So if you were a Muslim, you could parse this and say, oh, well, really, um, you know, no religion condones the killing of innocents as portrayed as innocent in in their own religion, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim. And basically the the Muslim listener to this speech would say, oh, yeah, okay, well, they're wrong only because they killed a bunch of Muslims. Uh, Of course, a lot of, you know, ISIL's, uh, would say basically Let's call that, it ISIS because that's their name. Yeah, Islamic ISIS. State. I mean, this Obama has. I mean, it just it's unbelievable. It's ISIS, Islamic State of Syria of Iraq and Syria. That's what it is. Islamic anyway. State of Iraq and yeah. Syria. Anyway, mo, you know, their members basically would say that their victims who called themselves Muslims weren't and, true Muslims anyway, right? right? They were insufficiently right? Muslim. That's why they killed them. Right. Um, and then he says, well, and ISIS certainly certainly is not a state. It was formerly Al Qaeda's affiliate. Yeah, he said it's not a state. That is really stupid. That's really stupid. I'm just dumb. What an idiot. What a what a stupid idiot. I mean seriously, because this, they call themselves Islamic State, as in they want to establish an Islamic state. That's their goal. Right. And he's saying they're not a state. I mean, it's just stupid. 
Oops, I just dropped this object thing. Too funny. I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> okay, I won't say word. No, that's not good. That's not good at all. One second. The Quran's killed the infidels where we find them has nothing to do with Muslims killing the infidels wherever they find them. Nothing. Nothing at all. Zilchola. Not a single bit. You, you know my running gag for the last dozen years, Islam means peace, and you know, I almost don't have to say that anymore. When Barack Obama says Islamic State has nothing to do with Islam, it's not Islamic. The punchline's already, it, you know what I mean? It's before the, the, it's before the joke. I mean, you know, when I was trying to come up with titles today, I was going to say something like, because I'd, I'd much rather talk about Apple's new products. So Apple's watch, or the, the, the Apple watch yes. has nothing to do with Apple, <laughs> That's right? right? That's um, right. It's, uh, it's just not Apple-like, the Apple watch. Right. Even though it's called the Apple watch and Apple makes it, it has nothing to do at all with it. Can you read my uh, popular... You you may read your thing. Yeah, my most popular uh, update was uh, something yesterday. I said the Soviet Union had nothing to do with communism. ISIS has nothing to do with Islam. Obama has nothing to do with his presidency. I have nothing to do with his status update. <laughs> and it got over 100 likes, which is nice. Everyone's getting the gag now. I mean, just by this coward, absolute coward in the face of reality. You know, he, you know it, it's like ISIS has nothing to do with the illusions that he has about Islam. It's not a, a nothing to do with Islam. They're acting on Islam's words, acting in the footsteps of Muhammad. And that's also, that's important in, in terms of the prophets of uh, religions. They can literally walk in the footsteps of Muhammad and murder people and, and say, well, it's justified. And he's the perfect model. So they couldn't, Christians can't do that with Jesus. Even the crusaders, when they did, they had to go, they had to go away from that. Right, so. right. So do you want to hear the strategy? Yes. The strategy that's going to save us all. Yeah. Okay, first, the systematic campaign of airstrikes. It says, working with the Iraqi government will expand our efforts beyond protecting our own people and humanitarian missions so that we're hitting ISIS targets as Iraqi forces go on offense. I'm, I'm substituting now ISIS for ISIL. Yes, in his absolutely. It says, moreover, I have made it clear that we will hunt down terrorists who threaten our country yeah, wherever yeah, yeah. they are. This means I will not hesitate to take action against ISIL in Syria as well as in Iraq. This is a core principle of my presidency. If you threaten America, you will find no safe haven. Oh, safe haven. Translation, I was cowed out of pursuing Syria last year. Yes. Opinion polls, blah, blah. Look, now I have a pretense to go into yes. Syria. I can twist the threat of ISIS and make it seem like it was all because I didn't do what I was doing. And then when that blows up, I'll be out of office. And uh, whatever, I don't care. I don't. I've, know. I've got it made from 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 this point on. Is what is what his thinking is. Can I use a crude phrase? Please do. Why does he have a hard on about Syria? I don't know. Something about it. Something about it. I don't know. He says it's the family. I mean, something. is it is it because he wants to clear Assad out so that the Islamic State can well, take over Syria? He's wanted to, you know, Islamize the Islamic world far more than it has been. You know, we've had, uh, you know, we've been accused of having public dictators. In some sense, we have. We we paid off the thugs. Said, look, don't bother us. Don't bother Israel. And a lot of them have complied. Okay. He wants that knocked out. You know, he wants them to act on on their own, what's called the free will. But if they do that, they'll come after us. Obama doesn't care about that. To hell with, with the consequences. He wants he wants the Muslim world to be more Islamic than it's been. Then he says, we're going to increase our support to forces fighting these terrorists on the ground. Who, what, what forces are you talking about? Uh, what forces? The Kurdish and other in Iraq who are 
supposedly fighting for their lives there, right? He says, in June, I deployed several hundred American service members to Iraq to assess how we can best support Iraqi security forces. Now that those teams have completed their work in Iraq as former government, we will send an additional 475 service members. Why is he giving you exactly the number? Because he's an idiot. Why? And also, timetables. We will leave Iraq on this date. We will go there on this date. What does that mean? Are we at war or we're not? I, I don't understand. I mean, it's like people want a strategy when he has no strategy. We will land at this area, ISIS. I mean, we will land at this airport exactly at this time. No, but he might as well be saying that. I remember, uh, um, what's it called? Sheep Blitzer on CNN. A number of years ago, I think, during Iraq, he was saying exactly what time we're going to land, where we're going to land in Iraq. And you look at that and you say, are we in a, this is madness, absolute madness. Anyway, supposedly they are not going to do any ground war. They're going to support Iraqi and Kurdish forces with training, intelligence, and equipment. He says, we'll also support Iraq's effort to stand up National Guard units to help Sunni communities secure their own freedom. Then here he gets excited about this part. Across the border in Syria, we have ramped up our military assistance to the Syrian opposition. Tonight, I again call on Congress to give us additional authorities and resources to train and equip these fighters. In the fight against ISIS, we can't re- rely on a Assad regime that terrorizes its people, a regime that will never regain the legitimacy it has lost. Instead, we must strengthen the opposition as the best counterweight to extremists like ISIS while pursuing the political solution necessary to solve serious crisis once and for all. Are you impressed with that part of the strategy? None. Mm-hmm. He's an anti-war president. I wish he was anti-Jihad, but he's anti-war. His entire life he's been anti-war. He hates the military. So it's just his way to save face and to hold on to the presidency in the meantime. Like, well, U.S. president has to do things like this, so I'll do it. Airstrikes support Muslims who, for the moment, are less of our enemy than the really bad guys. Uh, Third, he says, draw on our substantial counterterrorism capabilities to prevent attacks from them. Working with our partners, we'll redouble our efforts to cut off its funding, improve our intelligence, strengthen our defenses, counter its warped ideology. How do you counter warped. its, it's warped. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. acknowledge its ideology, how can you counter it? And then he says, stem the flow of foreign fighters into and out of the Middle East. He's talking about the way Iran floods into Iraq and they killed our, our soldiers through that, and Saudis as well. Some, some, some of the most... Most of the suicide bombers that they were killing our soldiers were from Iran and Saudi Arabia. It's always an Islamic war against us. And they, they send their proxies in there. Apparently there have been not, and, and he even says in his speech, he admits that there have been people not only from Europe, but from the United States who have yes, gone and joined have. them. A girl tried to do it recently also. In two weeks, he says, I will chair a meeting of the UN Security Council to further mobilize the international community around this effort. Uh, Fourth, continue providing humanitarian assistance to innocent civilians who've been displaced. Include Sunni and Shia Muslims who are at grave risk, as well as tens of thousands of Christians and other religious minorities. We can't allow the communities to be driven from their ancient homelands, etc. What do you think? I think he's protecting Islam. And as I wrote, I said, if he protected America the way he protects Islam, the enemy would would be absolutely defeated. There's no question about it. Always comes to the rescue of Islam's reputation. Always. Like a Muslim would. 
listen to what he lists as products or accomplishments of American leadership. Okay, are you ready? And he talks about abroad. American leadership is the one constant in an uncertain world. It's America that has the capacity and the will to mobilize the world against terrorists. It's America that has rallied the world against Russian aggression and in support of Ukrainian people's right to determine their own destiny. Is America, he says, our scientists, our doctors, our know-how that can help contain and cure the outbreak of Ebola. It's America that has helped remove and destroy Syria's declared chemical weapons. Have we done this? I don't know. I don't believe so they cannot that, so pose a threat to the Syrian people or the world I know again. He's a, he's a liar. So, so he's you know he's he, and he, also these are his achievements. You know, disease, war. We've we've done the Amir. No, nothing like a, a great accomplishment outside of that context. It's all about what we've done in this context only. But again, he's trying to justify his actions so a little too much here also. Well, and he's trying to throw in the whole thing about Syria. We're supposed to feel Something. good about what we're doing in Syria. And he says it is America. This, he's this, a Syria just, liar. Just get ready. I hope you've digested your dinner, boss. He says it is America that is helping Muslim communities around the world, not just in the fight against terrorism, but in the fight for opportunity, tolerance, and a more hopeful future. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And and this is the one that he ends on. So when you list all these different things, you know, Russia, it's Russian aggression, uh, defeat Ebola, you know, remove and destroy these weapons in Syria. So he's building up. And the final thing is that you're helping Muslims have a more hopeful future. I don't care Who about Muslims' hopeful future. I just want them leave to us alone. leave us alone. Leave That's us it. alone. Keep to yourself. If you want to kill yourselves, go for it. If people leave who call the themselves Muslim alone. want to come and be productive members in the United States and they've been screened appropriately. And they've been yeah. edified by the West. If yeah. they've been de-Islamized, sure. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, get the hell out of here. Enough of this crap. Right, right. So you know, this, we can't uh, forget also the um, the percentage of them who want to murder people, who are backing it, who actually say, I think 70, 80% of, uh, if not more, I think 90% of, of, of Egyptians, as Bill Morris said the other day, um, call for the death of apostates. It, it's, not, it's, a, it's like this, though. It's not just them. The Quran does. Islam does. That's the whole point. Right. If you leave Islam, it's like... A, that's how militant Islam is. If you leave it, you're considered a deserter. Like in what context? A war. Right. Like, like you're a soldier. It's one less soldier. We got to kill him. Well, and that's how they think of themselves. If you if you read the Quran yeah. as well, State Defiance says, "Just cut to the chase, Amy. He's a Muslim dumbass protecting his people." <sighs> you know, I I just I think he's a needless as Leonard Peikoff pegged him, but I think he is a, a as I say, he has a hard spot. Islam. He has a hard spot for Islam. Always has had it. He was raised a Muslim. You know, just to be clear, people sometimes question is he was raised a Muslim by his Muslim father. His father turned communist. He was raised by a Muslim stepfather. He was in Indonesia from six years old to ten years old. He went to Quran class. He was Muslim. And uh, clearly it, it has affected him in some way. He has an affinity and it's affected well, our, and, our foreign policy. And, and, and there's also this kind of falling all over ourselves guilt about actually fighting for our self-interest. Yeah. I mean, he goes out of his way in the beginning to say, well, my job one is to keep the American people it's secure. He, re- he recites it. He recites it. But then 
you know, he's, oh, yeah, well, we're going to fight these people. Oh, they're not Islamic. Boy, we love Muslims. We're helping Muslims. We do all this great stuff for Muslims. And part of it is just that altruist bent oh, no doubt. in our leaders of late. Oh, no doubt. And I would I would just like to see somebody very different. And we're going to get a little taste of, of something very different in a bit. If you want to read more of the transcript of that lovely speech by our dear president, Go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and you'll see the link for that under the program notes for today's show. I want to go on and look at something much more pleasant, which is Bill Maher. Excellent. I mean, talk about looking for a strong, unequivocal response. One of the best and calm, cool, collected, because he understands the problem. Did you did you watch this clip here? Oh yeah. Bill Maher schools PBS host Charlie Rose over what, Islam. Charlie Rose colored glasses. Charlie oh, Rose colored glasses. About Islam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Islam's illiberal beliefs, as Maher calls them. HBO's Bill Maher clashed with Charlie Rose on the veteran host PBS show on Tuesday over the atheist's outspoken view on Islam. Maher underlined the illiberal beliefs that are held by vast numbers of Muslim people. Rose interjected with a left-wing talking point. Quote, vast numbers of Christians, too. The comedian shot back, no, 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 that's not true, not true. Sorry, one second. This guy is a consistent, consistent atheist. He hates all religion, but he recognizes the religion right now, the most dangerous, the most vicious, the most brutal, is Islam, and he's willing to say so. And this is what he says. He says, no, 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 that's not true, not true. Vast numbers of Christians do not believe that if you leave the Christian religion, you should be killed for it. And that is true of Muslims. And Mar goes on in the interview to cite statistics and totally, I think, shame Rose. I want to play. Oh, I want to play this little clip here, which I haven't played yet. So let's see how it works. I think uh, liberals should stop booing me for pointing out that Islam is not like other religions; that is a unique threat, and that yeah, there. But, is it, but it's not Islam you're against. Howard Dean on TV the other day, and he said something uh, along the order of, he said, uh, the people in ISIS. Are, uh, I said, I'm about as uh, Islamic as they are, you know, distancing the vast numbers yeah, of right. Islamic people around right. the world from it. That's just not true. It is true. It is not true, Charlie. There is a connecting tissue between... Hey, uh, you mean, you know, behind every, behind every Muslim is a future member of some radical... Let me finish. I thought I was doing that. <laughs> uh, there are illiberal beliefs that are held by vast numbers of Muslim people that I don't think... Vast Howard... number of Christians, too. No, no, that's not true. Not true. Vast numbers of Christians do not believe that if you leave the Christian religion, you should be killed for it. Bravo. Vast numbers of Christians do not treat women as second-class citizens. Vast numbers of Christians... I agree with that. ...do not believe said. that if you draw a picture of Jesus Christ, you should get killed for it. Um, so, yes, exactly. does ISIS do Khmer Rouge-like activity? where they just kill people indiscriminately who aren't just like them? Yes, and would most Muslim people in the world do that or condone that? No. no. But most Muslim people in the world do condone violence just for what you, you think. They do, do you know that? First of all, know. they say it. They shout it from the... vast majority of Muslims Absolutely. Say that? There's a Pew poll of Egypt done a few years ago. 82%, said. I think it was, said uh, stoning is the appropriate punishment for adultery. Over 80% thought uh, death was the appropriate punishment for leaving the Muslim religion. So 80% of them agreed with the Quran. I mean, that's the point. I agree with Islam. 
Eighty percent do. Not one hundred percent, but you know. And I love that Mar is able to cite these yes. statistics. No, he knows. And stuff. just completely shame Rose. Now, there's about two minutes of the of the clip there that I, I probably shouldn't play, but I just want to I say, you you want to play some more of it? Yeah, I mean, look, he, you know, and you know what, you know what, I don't like. I see some people on the right, on Breitbart, whatnot, saying, you know, that's Bill Maher. Tell with him, you know, tell both of them. B.S. Bill Maher. If I'm going to have a debate and I need a partner, I would pick him over Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, Hannity any day. Those guys do not take on the threat that we face. Not, 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 not by the name Islam. They don't. And if someone knows otherwise, please tell me because I haven't heard it. You know, especially Rush. I've not been able to listen to him, but he's always using euphemisms, always mixing it up also. Radical, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, extremist. Uh, Mar doesn't. On this one issue, he sounds as rational as can be. I know he's disgusting outside of it with Obama and all that crap, but he understands the big issue here, and he's un, you know, unwilling to compromise the truth about it. It's excellent. I, I love it because there's a lot of atheists who don't make that distinction. Mm-mm. They don't identify that the religion that poses the most threat to us today is yeah. this one. That, yeah. uh, Stuart mentions Sam Harris critically. Yes, yes, he is. Sam Harris is very critical of Islam. And uh, again, he's an atheist across the board, hates religion, but he understands there is one religion that is far more dangerous to us than any other today. As, at, you know, and he, he recognizes that. As it's important to see these uh, liberal leftist atheists do that because they do shame. They, do, they are a reproach to their fellow leftists to the point where they could maybe be influenced a little more. If more keeps coming out like this, people are going to eventually say, I don't have an argument against this, and I like him, and I respect him. He must be on to something. Well, Maybe and, let me find out. And and he's so even keel yeah. and just matter of fact. I mean, when he's talking about this subject, I'm I, I just can't, you know what came to mind is Wafa Sultan yes. and just how calm and self assured and everything she is on this topic. He is excellent. Excellent. And I'm just glad I, you know I have that old blog post over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and it's called Liberals Ten Commandments post nine yeah. eleven. And in that I cited already Bill Maher as oh, an yeah. exception. But I wrote that post I, at least a couple of years ago. 2011? Maybe three years ago. Okay. And Bill Maher has only gotten better only on better. the subject since then. Because I think the, the thing that Israel, I you know I mean he's he's on his show, that real time I think whatever it's mm-hmm. called. He's with Dinesh D'Souza, who's this one objective is called rightfully the, the conservative id. I mean, he really is. But, uh, and he's also grown up. Uh, he wrote a book a number of years ago where he was really sympathetic with, with Muslims and Islam. is really pathetic. I think he's changed his tune somewhat. He saw him and Marr really joining forces against the other liberals on the other side, and it was it was interesting to see. Hmm. Interesting. No. Should I play a little bit more? Yeah. Let me, let's play a little more of him. I'm sure you know these things. I know. I'm, well, I do. So, but so I, but I don't. That this I don't religion believe... is like other religions is just naive and plain wrong. It is not like other religions. Uh, the New Here's York Times point, New York Times pointed out an uh, op-ed a couple of weeks ago that in Saudi Arabia, um, just, just since August 4th, I yes. think it was, yes, they have yes. beheaded 19 people, most for non-violent crimes, right. including homosexuality. They didn't got the hands off the thief. Right. Okay. So we're upset that uh, ISIS is beheading people. Now, you know what's interesting? He was saying they were um, beheaded, including for homosexuality. Yeah. And, he, and he didn't even get to finish homosexuality before, before Charlie yeah. Rose spoke, oh, theft or something. Yes, you know. yes, yes. But he didn't want to let him finish yep. the fact that 
They they, people are beheaded in Saudi Arabia, alone our supposed ally. This is what they do. And you know, whether they're internationally Muslim, there was one that they accused of being a quote-unquote sorcerer. Mm-hmm. And they behead them like ISIS beheads Muslims and non-Muslims as well. Right. Exactly. And this is the point that Mar is making here. Which we should be upset about. But Saudi Arabia does it, and they're our good friends because they have oil. Right. Okay? But they do it too. This is the center of the religion. In Mecca, where infidels, right. non-Muslims, are not even allowed in, in the holy no parts of the city. I no mean, churches. right there. We don't have that example in other religions. Okay, they do behead people. Now, if they were beheading people in Vatican City, which is the equivalent of Mecca in... Don't you think there'd be a bigger outcry oh, about it? So this is the soft bigotry of low expectations well, that I, we I have with, with people. Yeah. When they do crazy things mm-hmm. and well, believe crazy I like that term. He's, uh, you know what I mean? I like that term. Charlie Blow is the same. I like that term because he likes the, the way he put it something. Mm-hmm. Listen to the content, you... Yeah. No, he's he's trying. I think he knows. Terrible. He's like, don't he, stop he, saying this. He knows that Mars wiping the floor with my him. illusions. Yeah. Stop. Yes. Is he thinks somehow it's just not okay. talked about nearly as much. I Muslim. do believe that 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 what we see with ISIS is not representative of. As I said, connecting tissue. Is not no, representative not of. He goes on. He says yes. Yeah. It's, it's in the Quran. Yep. It l- looks like the right. Islamic religion. Again. I don't think the Quran teaches them to do this kind of. Well, thing. you're wrong about that. The Quran absolutely has on every page I, I, stuff I, that's I, horrible about how the infidel should be treated. As Ayan Hirsi Ali points out, she says, and, and, "Can, I, can we really for say?" Her too. Well, and she would know better yeah, than either one of us. Exactly. She said, that. "Can we really well, say that, been a victim, that women are treated equally in the Muslim world?" I no. mean, their their testimony in court is very often counted as half. They need permission to leave the house they're doing things like making them wear burqas and i hear liberals say things like well they want to they want to <laughs> they've been brainwashed you know they don't want it's, it's like saying a streetwalker wants to do that exactly bravo excellent bravo we need that we we need that we need and to hear it, our, this week our own president tells us the islamic state is not islamic and he'll here's bill maher telling it like it is and the question is is anybody getting the message. Is anyone getting the message? Yeah, this got around. This made some noise. It did? I think on both sides. People are like, ah, you know, the left can't dismiss Bill Maher. He's a respectable leftist. They love him, right? They can't dismiss him totally. Another story that tells us what is going on in our college campuses right now in terms of willingness to hear criticism of Islam. Oh, yeah. How about Yale? Yes. I How am. about Yale this week? This is this is a story you sent me. It's yeah. from the Truth Revolt, and it was published on 9/11 appropriately. Yale students disrespected, quote unquote, love that term, right? Yale students are disrespected that Ayan Hirsi Ali is speaking on that campus. Don't go watch her. And the story quotes at length from a letter that was written by, I guess, Abrar Omish an MSA, Muslim Student Association, board member. Sorry, if a leader of Hamas went to their school, would they be complaining? To talk, would they be complaining? No, I guess not, probably. No, no they wouldn't. They're asking for campus organizations to stand against Hirsi Ali's proposed talk, and they say things like, she shouldn't be able to come and speak about Islam. Why? Because she doesn't hold the credentials. Credentials. To speak as an authority on Islam. 
and things that she says, you know, and they say that uh, things, a number of what she has said, uh, that uh, the, the things that she has said have been classified as, as hate speech, mm. and they've been considered unprotected libel and slander. Well, you know, hate speech, right? There's a, a, a hate book out there. You know what it's called? The mm. Quran. Oh, yeah. A hate book. And as Bill Maher says, every page is a threat. It's something telling you, you better watch it. You better submit. It's telling the, whoever's reading the book. Yeah. Especially infidels. No, and then listen to this, right? Because it's not like they're saying, okay, she said blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It is false and here's why. Right, of course. All it is is the comments that she's made about Islam have been classified as a hate speech. So that means somebody else <laughs> called them hate speech. Okay, that really means something. And then it says, have been considered unprotected Sorry. libel and slander. Again, somebody labeled it with these things, kill, and so therefore... Kill the infidels where we find them. Is that love speech? That's right. In That's the Quran? Right. Yeah. So much and it says, she has been condemned for the things that she says by national organizations and universities. Appeal <laughs> to authority, appeal to authority. Society. You should submit right now. You should just give up all argument. No substance here. No substance Could at all. Could you remind these kids, we are in America. The land of free speech. Yeah. Now listen to this. this here, here comes the emotions. The Muslim community and its allies are disappointed that and our own good. fellow Yaleys would invite such good. a speaker knowingly and that she would have such a platform in our home. Oh, it's so sad. Again, if you're not pissing off Muslims, you've got to get back to work. Co-signers to this letter, which has absolutely no sum- substance in all logical fallacies, Students for Justice in Palestine. Big surprise. Uh, what is J Street U? Is J Jewish? I don't know. Maybe. Can you look it up maybe and see? I was wondering if that was true. Arab Students Association. Women's Leadership Initiative. Co-sign this letter. Do they have any idea how women are treated in Islam? Yes, they do. The Women's Center. Asian American Student Alliance. Black Church at Yale. The Sliska Center. Council on Middle Eastern Studies. J Street what? And the Yale Atheist, Humanist, and Agnostics. Now, I would like the Yale Atheist, Humanist, and Agnostics to sit down and listen to Bill Maher, a fellow atheist who happens to know something about Islam and the difference between Islam and other religions, yeah. and then decide whether you want to have Ayan Hirsi Ali on but campus. But I would like them to go to quote-unquote Palestine and uh, befriend Hamas and others. And, and tell them, hey, I'm an atheist. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm an atheist. Yeah. Um, I support gay marriage, uh, abortion for boys only, you know, abortion. And uh, no, but, no, but just go there and then see how these people are. I don't know if any leftists ever go to quote-unquote Palestine, unless, it means, you know, un- unless they have some security, if they're reporters or whatnot. Um, this so if defense you, of evil, if you think naked of evil. Sending your kids to Yale, you know. Just think about Yale it. was also the uh, cowards who uh, published that book about the Mama cartoons, with but they left something crucial out. You know, they left out mm. the Mama cartoons. Mm, yes. out, out of the book right. about the Mama cartoons, right? Because they said that it might incite people. Incite who? What people would be incited? Jihadists, we expect to be incited. What can it incite though? What peaceful people into violent people? How can a, how can cartoons do that? Here we apparently can't keep straight whether or not ISIS is Islamic, and yet a Jordanian politician had absolutely no problem yeah. identifying uh, the nature of the Islamic I state. I love when these rats, because th- this guy's a rat, but he's an honest rat. You know, he's like, my religion is what it is. Stop telling us it's something different. Enough. 
I love I love when rats do that. Do you recommend I play the little clip? Sure. Is the, uh, is, the, is the clip uh, a dub or is it him okay, I, in it's speaking Arabic or something? Ar- it's probably uh, translated. I just yeah. I read it. I didn't. I don't you, it. So you, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm not going to play. Yeah, but just it, it's so funny because I'm looking at the guy and the gestures. Yeah. I, I, I just want to play it for sure. fun. Okay, one second. We'll play it for fun. Here we go. Let's see if we get something interesting. Oh, yeah, I have volume. Good. There you go. Nope, maybe not. I guess just read it. Okay. What's going on here? Okay, no, it's fun to watch. Anyway, I suggest going to watch it, watch the guy, because he's talking about satanic weeds and satanic ideology and blah, blah. He says, the Islamic State's doctrine stems from the Quran and Sunnah. There is no such thing as ISIS ideology, it's Islam. Well put. That's one of the best ways I've heard it put. There is no (laughs) ISIS ideology. It's Islam. You know, when when, uh, Bush said this uh, uh, extremist ideology that we're dealing with, I mean, come on, man. You know, Bush said Islamofascism once and got called to the carpet by Karen and shut his mouth. The president of United America. I mean, these, these cowards. You know, they people have had that thing in the past where you say, oh, who are the three or six or however many living people in the world that you would want to have to dinner at one yeah. time? And you think of people if they were alive, like if Steve Jobs was alive. Iron. You say, okay, I want to... Steve Jobs and Ayn Rand. Now, if you can really George Washington, if you could span the centuries and it could be dead people, Muhammad, right? You know, but I, I just I'll bring the I'll, I'll be the one holding the. Uh, no, 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 no. But so now you think, okay, I'd like to sit. I mean, I don't want to have dinner with Barack Obama or this guy, but I would love to have those two sitting there and Obama say, you, "Islamic State is not Islamic," <laughs> yeah. and have this guy say. What are you idiot. talking about? Yeah. They have some warped ideology or whatever it was that Obama went. No, it's just it's Islam. Islam. That's what it is. And let those two just battle it out right in front of me. It would be no and battle. As, guy might as long as I wasn't him. in any kind of danger myself, Obama I could be, sit though. back, drink a glass of wine, and just watch these two. The guy would pummel him by words, maybe actions. Maybe, could Bill Maher be there, too? Yeah. And just be okay. kind of laughing and say, I told you so. And, um, no, but I, I like it. I like when these rats come out there. Robert like, Spencer, yeah. could he be there? Oh, man, he's uh, chapter and verse. You, Incredible. You, you could be there. Sure. Okay. But chapter and verse. I like you. Robert. Oh, man, excellent. Um, so, I mean, this, this this is just ridiculous. And I mean, But he's got to say, oh, not, not Islamic. We do all these great things for Muslims. This is one of the achievements of America. It's like he's covering his ass something with the Muslim world, with the what he perceives to be the civilized aspect of the Muslim world, whichever, whatever that, you know, whatever the hell that means. But his bona fides have to be intact. He's like uh, Islam, good, okay. No matter what Muslims do, no matter what Islam is, it's good. He is. I mean, he's absolute about that. About America, we've done some things. We've, you know, when he goes to where you're apologizing, he's never said anything critical about Islam. Not one word. Nothing, ever. Terrible. And, and you know what? It, has, it's not a love of Islam. It's his nihilism, which attracts him to that. It absolutely attracts him to that. It says, this is horrific for America and the world. So therefore, I'm for it. So the big message that you get is he wants to cover for Islam. He'll do some things. 
as militarily. An president but most, of, but most of all, he's like, ha ha! I get to do the thing in Syria that yeah. I wanted to do before. For and you start to wonder Something. whether he helped ISIS brew so that he could have this pretense well, for Syria. He did, though. I mean, he gave weapons all across the Middle East, and ISIS no doubt got their hands on it, on some of them. What ended up being ISIS? You know, the quote-unquote rebels and all these people, all these other factions, no doubt they've been pulled over by ISIS, some of them. You know, you got bad guys and really bad guys. That's what happens in the Muslim world. You know, it's like everyone's a bad guy. And then you got the worst. You know, well, those guys are worse than these than these bad guys. Okay. At the moment. Yeah, at, the, at this moment. At this moment. It's so like, we'll, it's like so a, we'll, give, we'll give weapons to these guys who are slightly less bad at this moment. Yes, we will give training to these guys who are slightly less bad at this moment. At this moment. Yes. And moment to moment. He is starting to get a lot of flack, Obama, including from his allies over at the New York Times. Yeah. This story, I, I read this story that you sent me. Uh, Bruce Ackerman, writing for the opinion pages at the New York Times, again published September 11th, Obama's Betrayal of the Constitution is the headline. That's a strong title. And it says, President Obama's declaration of war against the terrorist group known as Islamic State. Now, as I understand it, war has not been no, explicitly declared until today. Yes. Okay, what? Supposedly Congress today, White House. Something war against called, ISIS is calling it way? is calling it war. Can we just call it war on jihad, the war against jihad, and just start it. Just get well, going. Well, and it's interesting because in his speech, if you go back, and I don't want to go back, you know, to no some detail, but he talks about how we've had, you know, these various battles, and it was Al Qaeda, and then it was over here in northern Africa, and you know, now it's with ISIS, and so he's basically outlining what a war, a long-standing war against jihad would be without giving it a name in any event. So now it's a a declaration of war against Islamic State. But what Ackerman writes is that this declaration of war marks a decisive break in the American constitutional tradition. Nothing attempted by his predecessor, George W. Bush, remotely compares in imperial hubris. Hmm. Bush gained ex- pretty damning. Yeah, Bush gained explicit congressional consent for his invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq. In contrast, the Obama administration has not even published a legal opinion attempting to justify the president's assertion of unilateral war-making authority. This is because, again, continues Ackerman, no serious opinion can be written. Ackerman thinks that Obama could not have a serious hmm. legal opinion written up justifying what he is doing. He says, this became clear when White House officials briefed reporters before Mr. Obama's speech to the nation. They said a war against ISIS was justified by Congress's authorization of force against al-Qaeda after September 11, 2001, and that no new approval was needed. Hmm. There was an authorization back in 2001, and Obama hopes to classify this under that. Never mind that al-Qaeda sees ISIS as a competitor, as a rival group, Ackerman continues later. This is, you know... ISIS is trying to one-up al-Qaeda. Obama just wants to pretend that they are affiliated and that he doesn't have to seek the use of force. And so what uh, Ackerman goes on to write about is the statute that... um, you know, outlines what Obama has to do. 
the War Powers Resolution of 1973, it requires Obama to seek a new mandate from Congress. The resolution, which was enacted over Nixon's veto at the end of the Vietnam War, requires the president to obtain assent within 60 days from commencing hostilities. If he fails, he has to withdraw American forces within 30 days. So what Ackerman is saying is that October 7th is when the authorization without authorization basically expires. He has to seek that authorization from Congress by October 7th. Otherwise, he has to leave from you know, 30 right. days from then, which would be, you know, November 6th. And there's no signal that Obama will try to do that? This guy assumes that he's not. Right, right. And, I mean, you know, Obama in his speech was talking about it's going to take a while, it's a cancer, it takes a long time to eradicate, the blah, 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 well, you know? Why go through the proper channels? Why not? Isn't he a quote-unquote quote, quote, um, scholar? Maybe because he knows that he cannot get right. authorization right. for what he wants to do with right. Syria. Something about Syria, no doubt about it. Something... He, well, was, he was hungry to get them last time. Apparently, they were creating serial lies. Also, if you he's remember, he's got some authorization about Syria because he's talking about. Well, now we're expanding what we're doing in Syria. So whatever Congress has let him do in Syria, he's trying to run with it further, and he's trying to use ISIS as a justification for it. I am worried that obama either deliberately or making it look like oh i just messed up is going to actually make come true the title of isis which is that it is going to be an islamic state of iraq and syria ruled by these thugs and he's you know told them well we're sending 475 americans over there to just be sitting patsies for you guys what why would you say that and why for that that little well, and and then the other thing, um, and I can't remember. I think it's in that article, or in that in that speech where he's talking about how we are already flying planes side by side with planes from other countries in the region. In Muslim countries, Muslim dictatorships. And just as we have worked side by side with Afghani's, yeah. who have killed our soldiers. Yes. Again and again and again. I'm wondering, over 100, I'm over wondering if we're going to see the same thing in Sorry, the sky when we say kill, over Iraq when, and Syria. When we say kill our soldiers, they have these events. They're supposed to be uh, cooperative you know, events, maybe where a guy's getting a certain uh, badge or whatever. They murder our soldiers in cold blood, who some of them are not allowed to carry arms right. at that moment. Over 100 of these individual attacks have happened. 100. And... Obama kept letting it happen. Under him, it happened. I think, I think all of them happened under him. A hundred of our soldiers butchered with a scumbag who was smiling in his face, getting a badge or whatever. And uh, they never paid the price. Whatever happened to these guys, what, they were, they were thrown in some, some kind of, some kind of a- Afghani jail? That's not enough. Yeah. No, I don't know. And so I'm, I'm concerned that the same thing's going to happen. I like that Ackerman is calling him on it oh, yeah. and saying, "Look, you are doing something that is this way beyond your legal authority." This guy felt he had to write this because, again, you got the, sa- the face-saving writers now. They understand Obama is a horrific president, even by whatever standards they had. And they're like, "We have to go on record, man. We have to say at one point we said enough's enough. We had to say it, whether they, you know, whether they they still agree with them. It's like I can't go here with you." Well, and there was a law professor too. The law, remember him, and he and he said that Obama was vastly yes. exceeding the any other presidents 
legal he calls authority. Him, I think he called him an imperial president, and that's what he is. Obama, uh, Mark Levin has been calling him an imperial president for years, I think a couple of years now. But usually that's with respect to executive orders, through and through, yeah. rewriting laws yes. without congressional Creating authority. Creating laws from scratch. I mean, how can you do that? You can't do that. The only time executive orders was used before was for a very, very technical aspect of the presidency to some minor issues. This guy is trying to create laws by his phone, by his pen and from you know the phone pen and chief, whatever we call. The, here's the question: If he does go through Congress and they come up with some sort of authorization yeah. for a use of force to address the ISIS problem, yeah. is anything better? going to come out of that process, given that we've got Reed in the Senate and I don't think so. No, those right. weak people in the House? No. And, I mean, he's... John Kerry says, uh, we're going to destroy ISIS in a year, maybe two years, maybe three years, meaning maybe never. That's what they mean. Another prolonged, quote-unquote, war. It's not a war. You know, all we have to really do is, uh, again... It, know where they are in that general area, and unload bombs again well, and again and again. And this is why you again think, is this just a pretense to get involved something, in Syria? Something, because, because if it was really about Just to ISIS, destroy them. Yeah. We can destroy them overnight. Right. They, they say there are 30,000 members. Yeah, they're not spread out too far. They're pretty in a local area. And also, again, in a, in a general area, you have a good damn idea where they are around. And bombs can spread out pretty far. If you put enough bombs in that area, you're going to kill a whole ton of them. And then you can say, well, we took care of this problem. Instead, they're going to put 475 American soldiers to do what? Under Bush, they were going literally door-to-door. It was a book I read, door-to-door. Literally go door-to-door. Well, this is supposed to be different. It's supposedly not going to be ground troops on the front lines, supposedly that. But I think in a matter of weeks, they could, I would say, get rid of almost all of them. No doubt about it. Put everybody else on the run. Look, if we were to use 100% of our power, the, the enemy uses 100% of the power. That's how, that's how pathetic they are. Right. And they can only get, get us here and there. If we were to use 100% of our power, the enemy is wiped off the face of the earth. There's no question. Now, I'm talking about all our enemies. Let's look, let's look a little bit of what is at stake here. What kind of people are ISIS and who are they targeting? We already know that they have beheaded two American journalists. Now they're threatening to, um, I think, be ahead of what? Australian one, I think? And Australian, I think so. That's the next one. That's, that's the rumblings right now. Here's a, here's a story, and it is from a uh, publication called voactive.com. Headline, ISIS tweets call for assassination of Twitter employees. Yeah. So ISIS is using Twitter to call for the assassination Sorry. of Twitter employees. So, one thing. What do they use cars for? Car bombs. Mm-hmm. Bu- buses for bar- bus bombs. Planes, plane bombs. They use language as weapons. Islam means peace. That's a weapon. And they use Twitter as a weapon. Everything is weaponized. Why? It, because this culture, because the Islamic religion is, is you know, we- I mean, we- weaponizable. If that's a word. <laughs> this, this story was posted on the 8th of September, and it's, Subhead is extremists linked to ISIS tell quote lone wolves to target employees of the social network. It says an ISIS-related Twitter account has issued the group's first direct call for attacks on specific American targets, but it's not going after political or national icons. It wants Twitter employees assassinated. 
The call for retribution against the online platform was first announced Sunday night in a series of tweets asking, quote, the lone wolves in the U.S. and Europe to make Twitter employees the focus of their attacks. Twitter has been engaged in a prolonged game of whack-a-mole with ISIS, closing its accounts and those of similar organizations as they come to prominence in an attempt to stifle their extremist propaganda and exhortations to violence. Good for Twitter. Bravo to Twitter for doing this. ISIS and other groups, continues the article, um, have consistently thwarted these efforts. Now they're going one step further, urging, quote, lone wolf actors to target Twitter employees. So, Bosch, you are the head of Twitter. What do you do if ISIS calls for the assassination of your employees? What do you tell your employees to do? I bomb them. I bomb them. I'm joking. Uh, as in to tell them what to do? Yeah. Well, to watch yourselves. Tell tell the government, look, we are being threatened here. Are you here to protect us or not? Yeah. Can you- well, we'll eliminate them in a in a few years. Well, Carrie tells them. You know, yes, but you know they're saying. So what do you, what do you do? What do you do if you're Twitter? Your your government is not going to do anything definitive anytime soon. I mean, you do what what's well. I'll say you do what I've been doing. Criticize Islam, criticize them, and uh, you know protect yourself to some extent. Um, I don't know. I would if I was the head of Twitter. Uh, basically tell them, hmm, we have armed security guards for our employees. Yes. And we have told them that if anybody comes, that they Just should do yourself. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And By whatever means. Go for it. Yeah. You know, they can make a video like, uh, who, who, so, who was the woman who ripped up and burned the Quran? Andrew. Anne Barnhart. And Bar- Barnhart. 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 And she gave them the address, and she yes. showed them the weapon that she was using, and said, "Hey, come on over." She had a uh, bacon bookmarks. Yes. And she burned, and uh, I think burned each page of the Quran. As she was reading it. As yeah. she was reading yeah. it. Yeah. It was excellent. It was excellent. Um. I don't. I, I think she's still alive and well. Yeah. But you're right. Do you um, you don't kowto. You don't. You know, you basically let, let the government know if they don't know. But, you, you know, you have to still, if you're being threatened, if your life's being threatened, you have to. Oh, I'm sure the FBI is involved yeah. in trying to figure Tell it them, out. Tell them, look, um, we want to maintain our lives. We want to continue doing what we're doing. We don't want, we want to be killed, you know, and we want to stop these rats from having these messages, these weaponized messages out into the world to, to kill us. And what's their reasoning to kill them? Just I'm just curious. What what do they state? ISIS the reason why they want to kill these employees? Um, because they are closing down their Twitter accounts. Now, when how don't dare they? they? Yeah, but when don't they want to kill infidels? Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. You know, the Quran says kill infidels because we're guilty, all right? Because we're not Muslim. But so, again, I don't like when these scum Muslims try to cite other reasons besides their own justification, a thousand year old justification that the Quran gives them. I really don't like it. And every so often you get an honest rat, like that one guy who comes up. A guy says, you know, I'll, he was he was criticizing Al-Qaeda as one hardcore Muslim Middle East because Al-Qaeda was using something that we did. He goes, it has nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with them or what they do or what they say. Our book says to kill them. Right. That's it. Right. doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they, if they say they love us. It doesn't matter if they apologize for us. We have to kill them. And... Um, that's why he reads some, some speeches from Osama bin Laden to the West. He talks about global warming and all, all this crap to appeal to the leftists, and he does. And they actually cite him you know, to invoke Osama bin Laden, a mass murderer, which is what they do. 
And then, and then when he has speeches to Muslims, it's all about the Quran. It's all about Islam. It's all, all about Allah. All about the thousand-year history of this crap. So they need no justification to kill us. They already have it. Well, this is one of the tweets that was translated. It says, uh, the concept of lone wolf attacks is the tag, the tagline. Yeah. It says, Twitter management should know that if they do not stop their campaign in the virtual world, we will bring the war to them in the real world on the ground. And, okay, so, so let's look what the, quote, campaign is. Twitter says, hmm, this is our house, our property. I mean, Twitter is basically giving you a free account where you can send these 140 character messages out in the world. And suppose Twitter says, hmm, I don't like your messages, Islamic State yeah. garbage. Um, you are threatening people out there in the world using our service. We're going to close down your accounts when you use our accounts to threaten yeah. people. That seems very simple. But no, they're not justified in doing that, according to Islamic State. Basically, anybody who interferes with their whim is, yeah. I mean, they want to kill them anyway, again. But you're right about this. You're stopping us from from sending our message of murdering people? We want to murder people. Help us out here. You know what I mean? And if you don't help us out, we'll murder you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I uh, wish everyone in, in Twitter the best, and and yeah. I, I mean I do. I think if I, if I was the head of Twitter, I would just put a tweet right back out there and say, Would would he ever though? Boy, that, that, that's question loud my libs. You know, is yeah. is he anti guns? So he said, Ooh, I can't do that. These are these are your employees' lives at stake and being threatened. Of course, these guys would do it. They're all across the world. They're all across. They're they're in America, ISIS. They're all over. Remember the one guy at the White House took took the picture of the White House. We are here, America. That's an ISIS member, and they're all over the world. Right. They have spread like a disease, and they're again they're trying to make their mark. They're trying to say Al Qaeda is old news. They had their run. It's over. Now it's ISIS, and ISIS is on the lips of everyone. Us right now. This is September twelfth, two thousand fourteen. We're still talking about these rats. I know. I know. 13 but, years. Well, and, and to think about this, you know, that now, 13 years post 9-11, that the first direct call for attacks on specific American targets is employees of a social media network. Yeah. It just shows you how the means of waging the war has changed. Yeah. I remember that here in the chat room, it was Mikhail, I believe, at the very beginning of the show, he posted a link to this story here, and I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, the U.S. has launched a social media offensive. Wait, the U.S. government? Oh, no. Yeah. So let's take a look at this. Ugh. The U.S. has launched a social media offensive against the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, setting out to win the war of ideas by ridiculing the militants with a mixture of blunt language and sarcasm. Oh, really? Like what? Diplomats and experts are the first to admit that the digital blitz being waged on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube will never be a panacea to combat the jihadists. But U.S. officials see social media as an increasingly crucial battlefield. They're going to do this incompetently. What's new? For the past 18 months, U.S. officials have targeted dozens of social network accounts linked to Islamic radicals, posting comments, photos, and videos, and often engaging in tit-for-tat exchanges with those which challenge America. Well, Well, actually, this is the thought that just came to my mind, Bosch. Suppose that they... The U.S. government tries to take credit for everything that you've posted on social media. <laughs> well, they would never. 
You know what? One thing about me and my work. One thing about me and my work. That must be your mail. It's almost, you know, I mean, people still do rip me off. They still rip, you know, rip off my work. But when it comes to Pigman, I mean, to me, it was so obvious to make Pigman. It was so obvious. No one else thought about it. No one else has even followed up on it. I thought there would be, at one point, uh, Hogman or something like that, after right, the fact. Right. There isn't any. It's, it shocks me, but it also, it is what it is. But again, they would never dream of trying to retweet me or try to take credit for my stuff. You know, I just realized, didn't you say the DOD people come to your blog all the time? Yeah. So maybe they study <laughs> the people who are in this campaign, this cyber campaign. Maybe they come to your blog, they study up, and then when they go to their, these hostile pages, they post comments like what you would say. I mean... They doubt study it. at the school of Bosch Faustin, and then they put those comments out. It could happen. I mean, it's, if they were to, to do that, i got, I got to give them respect. Because some of the stuff I write, yeah, people tend to like. A senior U.S. State Department official described the strategy as a kind of cyber guerrilla campaign. People exaggerate. People think it's worthless. They think it's a magic thing. They'll Look, make extremists if they unload, blah, blah, blah. If they unload the, the truth in a social media war, fine. But they don't. They're going to lie. They can say, you are betraying Islam. ISIS. <laughs> I mean, ISIS will just laugh it off. I think the biggest joke in the Middle East, you know what it is, right? Hmm. Islam is peace. They probably cackle. They probably have a stand-up comedian in their, in, in their caves. Hey, guys, the, the, ISIS, Islam is peace. They probably start dying laughing. I would imagine. Uh, one tweet c- uh, congratulated the militant Yazidis who claimed to have killed 22 Islamic State fighters in Iraq. So... I don't know. We're we're our tax dollars are paying for that's them to do stuff on social media. No, but that's crap. Also, mm-hmm. what does that say? Nothing. Challenge them directly. But you know they wouldn't. They say you are walking in the footsteps of Muhammad. That's evil. Would they say that? No. No. Obviously not. Obviously they don't do that. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know Muhammad has nothing to do with Islam. I mean, right? So yes no? no. No, nothing at all. So these are these are really terrible. The worst of the, the worst. worst, and Obama. Ob- Obama has a strategy. He's going to do some airstrikes, but not really alone. And we'll have some ground forces, but I they won't really be fighting. I saw a picture of face during during the during the speech. Mm-hmm. He has a certain face. It looks drawn when he does these speeches that he has no desire to 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 do whatsoever. It's so against his nature to actually say anything strong against any against any evil. You know, I mean, imagine if he says these people are evil and they follow an ideology that that's evil. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine if, if we had a president. Do you know that John Kenny says that he's going to bring some Riesling to the dinner that I mentioned where we've got Obama speaking with that Jordanian politician right. plus Bill Maher and well, the Jer- Robert Spencer? The, the, yeah, the Jordanian, the Jordanian politician can't eat, can't drink any wine. Oh, no, but we're, we're drinking it. Okay. See, we're watching the show. We're watching the show. Yeah, but it might become a horror show after a minute. I mean, it is a horror show. No, it's no, an intellectual no, no. horror when show. When the guy tells him, hey, you listen to me, okay, when Obama says, no, Islam is peace, hey, you watch it, you know, boom, he starts pounding his head. You know what I mean? I'm saying he'll start doing something like that, so. Because that guy means business. That guy says, you idiots. Mm. Islam is uh, it's about war. Don't tell me different. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He tells Obama. But Obama, if he walks into a real, uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I understand. I can, you know, I can say some things. But no, I understand. I understand. He's technically the, the president of North America. 
So I think that we've got all of the ISIS-related stories done. Again, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com if you want to check out all the stories that we are discussing today. We've got something, I think, that should make us, I would say, feel a little bit more optimistic. Well, although The new U2 album dropped free on iTunes? That was cool. That was cool. Although some people thought it was kind of spam-like. Whatever. You don't have to download it. You have to go out of your way to download it onto your phone. You have to. We did. And people were, oh, I don't, that's a little creepy putting it on my phone. Oh, please, shut up. Free music. And Here, also, enjoy. some of the critics, I mean, look, uh, I wrote something the other day. I said about, about some critics. Some critics really think that if an artist doesn't bring back their soul, that they suck. Because their souls are gone. A, a lot of critics want to be artists of some, of some sort. They, they never were. The other so thing if you I don't, don't bring understand, back my soul, I hate you. How can you review music after hearing it? Probably only once or twice. Especially about you two. You two spend years doing their music. You got to take it in for a little bit. You, you really do. And it's songs that you like instantly. Usually, they don't last more than a month. If you like them right off the bat, usually it's nice, quick on a surface sound, and it, and it dies. Whereas you two, at least from my experience, is like okay, take it in, listen to it again and again. And right now, I think half a dozen songs. I got three, three, three instances of uh, goosebumps. I mean, literally. That's your litmus test. That's right? my litmus test. Right. Hands down, period. Whatever they're saying, whatever the lyrics are, it's the sound. It's the sound. It's a sound. The sound tells you who musicians are, not the explicit lyrics. If you get lyrics plus sound, great. Beautiful. You would, you would say there's at least three songs? Oh, or six, but three really good, and there's a few more that I, I like. I can listen to all the way through. Um, I don't know if it's one of their great albums, but it's, it's excellent, high quality. And who else is producing this kind of work? Top ten, top twenty. You got rap music, R and B, all this other crap. I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. Especially crap music, C rap, right? So that was a nice surprise. Yeah, that was very nice. I don't know where we were. We were driving, and all of a sudden I checked something. And I said, "You two album for free right now on iTunes?" Because uh, Apple had their announcement. It was two hour announcement. Right. And at the end, you two showed up on stage, did the uh, the first song from the album, and then uh, Tim cooked was a Bono, and they put their hands up, okay, one, two, and then they, they touch each other, okay, it's available to everyone, you know? <laughs> Pretty cool. Bono said, well, did we just do that? 500 million you know, people, it's available to them to, to, to download. And also, the other thing is that they release the album next month, actual MP3 or, uh, and three or four new songs, some acoustic versions of these songs, and I think two other songs that are not on this album, which is cool. Then you have the option to buy it also. Right. You know? So if you like it enough, you will buy it. Absolutely. They suck you in. I mean, I don't, you know what, it's, it's a gift. Can you just shut it and accept it? It's like people's like, ooh, I feel like it's creepy, creepy. You don't have to download it. You don't have to download it. You know, I remember, I think it was in the 70s people would talk about this, that there'd be subliminal backward message. Like if you played yeah. a record backwards, right. you would hear things. Right. And that somehow even playing it forward. Do you think that they could put little messages in your music. I mean, I doubt it. I think they would some rats would try, I mean but so when you listen what, what kind of messages when you mean? listen to the U two album about ten more times and you come here and you start saying Islam means peace, then I'll right. know something's wrong. Right. right? And Is if I it? actually say it and I mean it. That's right. Okay. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Then yeah, then you have to get rid of the album and Yeah. So, so I think yeah, we we're done with ISIS. Let's talk about something that's I think a little bit more someone, positive. Someone in chat room, um, Mikhail works at Apple. Excellent. Oh, excellent. It must be fun. 
Oh, I mean, that must be awesome. It's just, it's all a treat to, to walk into those stores. What I want to know is, why torture us with the announcement about the watch when we can't have the watch? No. <laughs> you better watch it, Apple. That's right. This is a headline that Drudge put up. And I guess he put it up because this was also the headline that was published on the Daily mm, Caller. I don't like that. So Drudge just copied the yes. headline of the Daily Caller. And the headline is this. That Ted Cruz was booed off stage yeah. at a Middle East Christian conference, and whenever somebody, was a keynote. you know, typically when they have a headline like Obama was booed off stage, whenever you see this in right wing media, Always they're happy, they're gleeful yeah. that Obama is being booed off stage. So if I see this headline, Ted Cruz booed off stage, you think that the person who wrote the headline is happy that yes. Ted Cruz is booed off stage, and you <laughs> kind of wonder what the hell is going on. It turns out that Ted Cruz was booed quite a bit when he gave a speech, and then he decided to leave yes. because of the hostile elements in the crowd. Well said, if you do not stand with Israel, I cannot stand here. You know, I'm out. Because, you know what, I mean, he, he, he was given a test there. I think he maybe smelled it in the air that these are Jew haters, right. even though they're Christians because they're from the Middle East, right? So, and it just shows you how deep... The Jew hatred goes in the Middle East. It even affects Christians. Exactly. And even some Jews, probably. Exactly. You know, Self-loathing Jews. And he walked in there knowing that and testing the waters. And they failed. He didn't fail. He, he exposed them. Yeah. Cruz was the keynote speaker at a sold-out D.C. dinner gala for the recently founded nonprofit in defense of Christians. He began by saying, quote, that tonight we are all united in defense of Christians. Tonight we are all united in defense of Jews. Tonight we are all defi uh, united in defense of people of good faith who are standing together against those who would persecute and murder those who dare disagree I'm with their religious teachings. I'm glad he didn't say teachings. we stand with Muslims also. I'm glad he didn't say that. I mean, he suggested possibly in, right. the, in the last one, but, right. uh, but that's good. He didn't say it explicitly like Obama. Yeah. And it says Cruz was not reading from a teleprompter, nor did he appear to be reading from notes. This means he can speak. Yes. And he can think while he speaks. He says, religious bigotry is a cancer with many manifestations. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Hamas, state sponsors like Syria and Iran are all engaged in a vicious genocidal campaign to destroy religious minorities in the Middle East. Sometimes we are told not to loop these groups together, that we have to understand their so-called nuances and differences. I wonder if he said lump, not loop. He probably did. Yeah. Uh, but we shouldn't try to parse different manif manifestations of evil that are on a murderous rampage throughout the region. Hate is hate and murder is murder. Our purpose here tonight is to highlight a terrible injustice, a humanitarian crisis, end quote. And then he started to say Christians have no greater ally than Israel. Yeah. And then members of the crowd began to yell, stop it, stop and it, booed yeah. him. Yeah. And then eventually, and he, he just kept pushing it. He says, those who hate Israel hate America. Yeah. Those who hate Jews hate Christians. If those in this room will not recognize that, then my heart weeps. If you hate Jewish people, you are not reflecting the teachings of Christ, he says. Again, I'm atheist, but, you know, bra bravo That's to him. Absolutely. He says, and the very same people who persecute and murder Christians right now, who crucify Christians, who behead children, are the very same people who target Jews for their faith for the same reason, namely that they're not Muslims, yes. right? He didn't say that, but I, I just yep. added that. And the cries of stop it, stop it, enough, and the booing continued. Out, out, leave the stage, they said. Not, not the whole crowd. There was only there was a, some a faction, of, right? Enough where it was noticeable. 
IDC's president, Chufik Baklani, came out on Chufik stage. Baklani. Yeah. Asked for the crowd to listen to Cruz, but Cruz had already had enough. And so imagine, he's a keynote speaker yeah. at this big gala event. He says, and this is what he did. If you will not stand with Israel and the Jews, he said, then I will not stand with you. Good night and God bless. And he says, and with that, he walked off the stage. Yeah, that's excellent. And the way it was couched, I, I, I don't like it at all. He was booed on the stage. No, he, he challenged them. They failed. And he said, okay, I'm not welcome here. Fine, good. I don't want to be here. It's, not, not with it you. It sounds like when he got the first negative reaction, he would keep yeah, pressing it. Yeah, a little it. harder. And if you want, I can play a little. Clip also, from one thing it, also. I mean, yeah. I I don't like this, and some Christian friends of mine do it. They keep citing the um, Christians that are being killed. I understand that, but don't pretend it's just Christians. Don't pretend it's just your people. It's Jews. It's atheists. It's Christians. It's Buddhists. It's it's. I mean, everyone on earth that's not Muslim. And this preoccupation with it—it's always Christians, Christians, Christians. It's like it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's persecution of everyone, guys, everyone. That's and why and I, 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 never, lo- I love that Cruz is bringing that. Oh in. yeah, and I never bring it up. I, I never use that that specific thing. Christians are yes, we're all being hunted, all of us. It yeah. says kill the unbelievers, the infidels, where you find them. It doesn't say kill the Jews, kill the Christians, kill the you know, atheists. It's all of us. We're all being targeted, guys. So if my any any Christian friends might listen, just please enough because it's just they're not isolating their uh, targets, so don't do it for them. And when Cruz brings up in a in in a Christian hall, I think a part of the part of the reaction was like, don't this is our night. It's about Christians. Don't bring up Jews with some of them at least. Other others just hate Jews. But you know I mean it's like an almost jealousy. Like uh, uh, don't mention those. We're being killed. Right. Don't mention the other ones who are being killed. Uh, there's a piece that I linked to at my blog at don'tletitgo.com where Cruz himself explains what happened. And he says, sadly, a vocal and angry minority of attendees at the conference tried to shut down my expression of solidarity with Israel. Uh, He said that detractors cannot shut down the truth and the American people, quote, should not shy away from expressing the truth even in the face of, especially in the face of, ignorance and bigotry. And he says, I told the attendees that those who hate Israel also hate America. That's just excellent. Those who hate Jews Absolutely also right. hate Christians. And anyone who hates Israel and the Jewish people is not following the teachings of Christ. Yeah. So I, I I say bravo to him for doing this. And Look, again, I, I don't know if Drudge was just being lazy and copying the headline well, from the Daily Caller. Sensationalize, and that's it. I mean, if you watch the thing, if you read the things, oh, okay, he wasn't put off stage. But that's that's a headline. He booed off stage. It sounds like a terrible thing against him. Something that, that you're right, that Mother Jones would do. Oh yeah, he booed off stage, finally, you know. Uh no. No. He stood his ground, he challenged them, and they failed. Yeah, when they, they when they continued with it. They showed him, yeah. This is this is not the type of group. And I think if Oh, what you want you want to look at this? I want you to read it. What you want me to read this right now? This after. Okay, well, I'll read this right now. I just got this flashed in front of my face here. Yeah. So here it is. This, this is a tweet that I wrote. Obama to Americans, you didn't build that. Obama to Muslims, you didn't destroy that. And, or you didn't unbuild that. That's the whole thing. Right. You know, it's not Muslims who, who were killing. No, no. Now talk about 
just again so, problems with religion, and we have problems with religion even here. Do you want to, do you want to go on to this next sure. story? This is atheist must swear to God, or yeah. or leave U.S. Air oh. Force. I mean, and I know that there's substantial atheist group of the cadets in the the Air Force Academy in the, in the government. No doubt they're atheist government. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if you're going to have that standard, and who's pushing these standards? Some kind of politicians? I don't know. You know, but again, who are the people who are the least trusted yes. in society in so many eras? I was least you know, trusted. It sounds like it's almost um, it's almost a put on insult on us. You know I mean, least trusted. That's what they like to say. You know I mean, no, but you know I mean, if you get a choice between, let's say, uh, an, an open Muslim who's who's basically fully on Muslim and an atheist, give me a break. You think Americans are going to choose the Muslim over that? I don't think so. In, uh, I mean, at least they they say so. But that's BS. I think it's BS. Didn't you say that there's a conservative Muslim who is challenging? I believe he's Muslim. I believe he's Muslim, but I'm not challenging Jerry Brown. I I think so. I like I like to look at him. He might be an Arab, but I think he's just an Arab Christian or a Muslim. Oh, okay, okay. But he's conservative. Yeah, he's conservative. no. So he might not even be a Muslim at all. He might not. He might not. But Jerry Brown's an atheist. Uh, H. Jerry Brown, Bill, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, all of them atheists, but, you know, but they Christian, pretend to be right. Christian. Right. Okay, so listen to the story from Yahoo. U.S. Air Force has told a sergeant he will have to leave the military unless he agrees to take an oath with, the, the, fra- with the phrase, so help me God, officials said Tuesday. In the latest religious controversy to Royal the Air Force. Hold on. Mm-hmm. The congressman, Keith Ellison, swore himself on a Quran. But did he say the word God? Doesn't matter. Just... Allah, maybe. And but... he used Thomas Jefferson's Quran as if Thomas Jefferson had that just to read it. He had it to fight. No, no, I know. Muslims. But but the point is, is that you have to use that word as part of your official swearing in or whatever it is. On what grounds? Good question. In the latest religious controversy to Royal the Air Force, the atheist airman last month was denied his request to reenlist. Because of his refusal to swear to God. It doesn't matter if he's good, Airman, if he's, uh, you know, right? So he's going to take the military to court over this. Good. Quote, we have not received I'm, word from the Air Force regarding our letter. It has not indicated a willingness to settle out of court. This guy's willing to fight for America, right? Right. I, I think that's enough to say, okay, we'll, we'll, we will forgo this for you, an mm-hmm. atheist. Um. Deadline for reenlisting expired in November. A technical sergeant at Creech Air Force Base in Nevada, whose name has not been released, will be forced to sue the government in a federal court. In the past, an airman could opt for an alternative phrase and omit the words, so help me God. But the U.S. Air Force changed its policy in October 2013. That's a recent policy change. The other branches of the American military do not require reference to God and make the phrase optional. Is the only branch, to my knowledge, that's well, actually that's requiring everyone in all instances to use religious language. Miller says. So my chance, my guess is that when this goes to court, I hope so. Yeah, but I mean, imagine your tax dollars. All this time and money is spent to making sure that people swear to God or leave the Air Force. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Just be happy of anyone who's coming there. To yes. Fight. Swear an oath. Swear an oath of allegiance. Swear an oath to fight and uphold the Constitution. Yes, but swear an America. oath to a particular religion. I mean, talk about establishment. Anyway, that is that is sad. I mean, it's not, you know, it, again, 
there is a clear difference between this, which is motivated by some sort of Christianity, versus something motivated by Islam. Do we have a call? What do we got here? Oh, we have a hello. Yeah? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, John Roberts Cruz in 2016. Sure. But that's not what I was referring to, but that's fine. No, I see. I see. Um, Nielsen in the chat room says, as a Pastafarian, I want to wear a colander and a have a traditional noodle meal when my next enlistment comes up. All hail the spaghetti monster, Parmesan cheese be upon. I like it. Crossed forks on a field of meatballs. It sounds excellent to me. I'm all there. Yeah? And you? And you? I think this is this is terrible. Look at Cruise 2016. Uh, who else? Yeah. Who else? Rand Paul? I'm saying over Hillary Clinton, yeah. Over Cruise? No way. No way. Rand Paul is trying to sound like a hawk. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable for him. It's awkward. Cruise naturally does. Naturally. You know he would defend us far more than Obama and probably far more than Bush also. You never hear him praise Islam either. Uh, Cruz, I've never heard him. He's talk about the enemies, talk about this. He never says, look, Muslim, good. Islam, good. ISIS, bad. I, n- I never heard him say that. Well, and if he, he was, might know if he was going to make an explicit reference including Muslims in that speech, he would have. He would have. And he did not. No, he didn't. He might have read on Islam. He might have. He seems like well, a well-read well well guy. And, and he was enunciating the proper standard. He said, any person of good faith Absolutely, who exactly. essentially doesn't believe in killing people right. because they don't believe the same Which as you do. a lot of Muslims don't. Right. I mean, they, they don't. At least, personally, they don't want to go out there and kill. Do you want to laugh or cry? Here comes a new story. I want to cry laughing. You want to cry laughing? Okay. Well, I don't know if you're going to cry laughing over this one. IRS chief says... <laughs> Whenever we can, I mean, we follow the law. And the guy was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you got to follow the law every time. Listen to that. The arrogance, though. The guy didn't even think about what he was saying. He just said it. He just winged it. And whenever we can, you know. You know what I mean? You know, when we can. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it's we insane. have these kind of scum. It's insane. When I read this earlier, there was a favorite little... Uh, passage, and they're talking about the fact that now the IRS, the same IRS that has had the lowest learner scandal, the same IRS that has just lost, miraculously lost emails from just the employees that the Congress is requesting emails from, right? Suddenly Obamacare is coming, and the... uh, you know, the the congressmen are, are worried about this, right? Because we've got Obamacare coming down the pipe, and IRS has such a huge role in Obamacare. So they've been grilling the uh, people who have been involved in healthcare.gov and et cetera. So it seems that the IRS is just poised with Obamacare to go swimming in a big pool of money, said Representative Peter Roskam, a Republican from Illinois, he cautioned against what he described as unchecked power given the IRS under the health care law. And he wants to know how the Obama administration is going to prevent a Lois Lerner 2.0 situation. What do you mean prevent? He's one of, he was one behind that. You know what I mean? This, this, no, but also the presumption that he had nothing to do with this. This was him. This yeah. was him. This is Barack Obama's IRS. Right, right. And, and um, apparently insurance company leaders 
learned about that recent news of the hack of the healthcare.gov website only from media reports. And this IRS guy, Slavitt, he disputes the claim, saying he had personally informed a representative from the Insurance Association about the breach. This is really bad stuff. But, oh, you know, wherever we can, we follow the law. Wherever we can. I mean, it's just, that's incredible. And now it could be that the law was poorly written and they have no idea how to follow it. That's definitely a possibility. You want to read what a, a president ought to say about the enemy and his religion? You go right ahead. Do you? No, you go ahead. No, it's okay, you. Oh, okay, well, I don't want to interrupt him. Well, but you did. No, no, it's fine. I'm, you're right, you're right. No, so no, read it, it now. No, it's okay, don't worry about it. Read it. So, you know, where's that ball? We're supposed to... We were supposed to be passing the thing back and <laughs> forth, but it's not happening. Sorry, we're just talking about the enemy, right? So John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of, of, of the United States, of Muhammad and Islam, he's, he, he's a son of, of John Adams. He said uh, about Muhammad, he said he declared undistinguishing and exterminating war as a part of his religion against all the rest of mankind. The essence of his doctrine was violence and lust to exalt the brutal over the spiritual part of human nature. He said more. But that was the nature of men back then. They were learned. They understood the threats that that we faced. And not long after that, uh, I think, actually before that, is when the Marines were uh, born, uh, when Muslim pirates were taking down our our ships in the African seas. And uh, Thomas Jefferson read the Quran. He understood the enemy and said, okay, that's when the Marines were born. So at our dinner that we were talking about earlier, we're going to have Obama, we're going to have the politician from Jordan. Let's have Thomas Jefferson and that Ellison dude. Yes, and tell tell Ellison why you read the Quran. Yes. Not for kicks. You read it to find out, okay, I want to find out about these guys who were sacking our ships in the African seas. I want to find out what what makes them tick. And they realize, oh, it's Islam. And do you want to hear what what, uh, Jefferson told Congress? Do you want to hear it? Um, are you finding it? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. One second, everyone. I am definitely, All de- definitely All indulging. The time. So Jefferson and John Adams went on, went to call on Tripoli's envoy to London, Ambassador Sidi Haji Abraham, whatever. As uh, Mark Levin says, Yabba Dabba Do, whatever. Also Rush, he spits his stuff. So this is, uh, they say, they asked, they asked him, Jefferson and Adams asked the envoy, uh, the Muslim, by what right he extorted money and, and took slaves in this way, by sacking our ships. As Jefferson later reported to Secretary of State John Jay and to the Congress, the ambassador answered us that the right was founded on the laws of the prophet, that it was written in their Quran, that all nations who should not have answered with their authority were sinners, that it was their duty their right and duty to make war upon them wherever they could be found and to make slaves of all they could take as prisoners and that every Muslim Muslim, uh, who should be slain in battle was sure to go to paradise. These guys, they faced this enemy hundreds of years ago, the same enemy that we're facing today. And you got the current president uh, saying it has nothing to do with this. So a number of our presidents faced this a a couple hundred years ago. Face it dead on by reading the Quran, using it as a you know as a weapon against them. You know, you gave me that one story, and I didn't put it in here about how Americans feel less safe now yeah. than any time yes. since nine eleven. Yes. Is that right? Yep. And I was, you know, again trying to think of titles for the show, and it was well, you know, we we're not safe, but 
boy, we got this cool right. watch that we right. get to wear while we're not safe. Or right. I don't know exactly what we can watch on this watch. We have to ask Mikhail in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. But can we watch, like, ISIS infiltrating everywhere and just Probably. on the watch? Yes. I mean, this this is the kind of picture that came in my maybe, mind. But maybe, you know, we need a jihad watch. I mean, like an Apple Watch and a jihad watch. Can you do a little mock-up sure. where it looks like the Apple Watch but and could, it's got the Jihad Watch logo and, on and, it or put, something? Uh, like a target, like what do you call that? Uh, like a target gun thing. A finder, yeah. yeah, scope. I like, I like it. I like it. I like it. But let's lead into that by talking about this is partly good news and partly revulsifying and disgustipating news. And it is Jay Carney goes from lying to CNN on behalf of our president to lying for CNN, yes. probably still on behalf of our president, yes. right? This is Daniel Greenfield over at Front Page Magazine. It says, considering how much time CNN spends acting on as Obama's PR people, this should be a comfortable transition. Jay Carney was lying for Obama back when he was working for Time Magazine and promoting Obama. Now he'll be lying for Obama at CNN. The bad news is that no one actually watches CNN, so Jay can just come down to the studio unshaven and not wearing any pants, and no one will notice because the only news channel watched less than CNN is Al Jazeera. You know, we got to have Daniel Greenfield on the show. That could be fun. He is excellent. How, is he fun as an interview as well? He's very uh, severe. Okay, because he's so, he's so witty here. Right, I he's, love this. He's great. I actually was supposed to do a comic strip with him. It's that, called uh, mm-hmm. Terrorist Time. Right. It just didn't work. I mean, not not that the idea the idea was great. I made some sketches, but time wise and projects wise, just didn't happen. But he's great. He has you know his own blog, the Assaulted Commission, also the Point at Front Page. That that's his own page on, on Front Page. I mean, great, great stuff. Great observations. Excellent, excellent. He says Jay Carney is now a career propagandist who smoothly slides out of spokesman and media analyst gigs while. Um, maintaining his political loyalties. He isn't going back to being a full-time journalist. Instead, he'll come on to explain why Obama's falling approval ratings are a good thing. You know what the good news though here is? Hmm. Oh, I know. And this is it. This is why. So yes. this, you would say, okay, nice this, is, this is really disgusting because here we have someone who worked for our government and he's going right into media and basically, therefore, you know, the, the, Greta Van Susteren was excellent recently because she exposed, and I should have put that link in here. I should have put that link in here. Okay. I shared it, I believe, um, on my Facebook page. Okay. And Greta Van Susteren went on her show and said, look, the White House pressured yes. me. The White House pressured me yep. to tell Fox News to tone it down on Benghazi. She put it out there in the public. This is what a real journalist does. A real journalist recognizes that part of what they're supposed to be doing is keeping our government in check. They are supposed to be telling us the truth. One thing also, Obama made a speech yesterday about ISIS, right? It was yesterday. It was Wednesday, I believe. Okay, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. He got the story of Benghazi off the air, more or less. He was talking about, I mean, they were all talking about ISIS and what's happening and what he's doing. right, right. And that was probably part of it. Probably part of it. Well, and you know, Thursday he was too busy visiting with all the Muslims, right? Yes, he He was. He started out his day in a mosque, and then he had a bunch of Muslim dignitaries. On what day? Yeah, I know. I know. You know on, on the day when Islam hit America. Because I have so many dog people in my social media network, 
because I do the dog agility and everything, a story that I saw a lot of on 9-11 was that there was one search and rescue animal, a golden retriever, I believe, who is still alive and did work during that day on 9-11-01. And that dog went back to revisit the site. And I was thinking... And probably George W. Bush would do this, but it's not going to make me love him. No way. I have plenty of criticisms for him. But a real president would have gone to visit that dog. No doubt about it. At that area. Not a goddamn mosque. That's what I'd be doing if I was president. So that's what I think. You know what? A mosque is where some of these things were concocted, where some of these plots are made. That's it's like the enemy base. There's always a mosque. Muhammad Atta and all the other rest. They were going to regular mosques. Mm -hmm. And that's where Barack Obama, our president, went on 9-11, as I, as I put it, the day that Islam hit us, bigger than ever. Again, so the bad news, right? Here's Jay Carney zooming right over, and obviously he's just an apologist for Obama. I guess the good news, partially, is that CNN's probably going to go even further down the tubes than it is right now. Again, the ratings are horrific. The ratings are absolutely, they came out, and they're horrific. I heard uh, a clip uh, Rush Limbaugh was praising What's called the cashing um, in? Yeah, cashing in. Mm -hmm. He said cashing in is over a million viewers in the morning on Saturdays. In the morning, yes, it beats I think prime time shows on CNN and MSNBC put together. Beautiful. It's unbelievable. Beautiful. It's unbelievable. It's because there's at least one person there that we know who yes. tells the truth who tells, unapologetically. Who tells the truth. Who yes. says something that no one on no one on Fox says? And that would be Honig. So that is excellent. That is great. Uh, so, again, unlike Carney, Carney's going to go over to CNN and just basically do Obama's bidding on the other side of the media connection. But the very best news about that, <laughs> because, again, it, it's bad, but at least we do have alternatives. We have the Greta Van Susterns. We have the Jonathan Honigs, right? Carney is not going to be a spokesman for Apple. Which was yes! a possibility. Which was a possibility. Was a, what, last month, two months ago? We were like, oh, no. Can you imagine hearing about products that, that you like? Whiny. I mean, it, 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 it's terrible enough. You're, you're watching him, and he's talking about Obama, and you're like, uh, but yeah. it, you know, it's, it's of a piece. But him talking about great piece. products? But if Jay Carney is talking about the Apple Watch. I mean, you might not want to get it. Yeah. It's like it's something wrong with his watch. I mean, he's lying about it somehow. If he says this is the greatest watch ever, he's like, uh-oh. You know, Mikael in the chat room, I think, really has got to hook me up. He's really got to hook me up because <laughs> I would do the very objective, unbiased review of the watch if I could have, say, Christmas, Christmas time access to the watch. I want the I want the they iWatch. Look beautiful. It's not called an iWatch. No. I, was, I was glad they didn't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. But the Apple Watch. Apple Watch. It's I, very cool. Christmas. This this is what I mean. This this should be my Christmas present. It should. I I, I want this watch. Um, I mean, what little I've seen the the graphics, some of the straps just, and also the designs, they're beautiful. I have not regularly worn a watch for no years. Watch. That's the whole point. Though. And yeah, I've, I've might, held out. I've held out with the Fitbit. They might bring back watches. I, I think so. If anyone can, it's Apple. If anyone can make it appealing, make it attractive, make it interesting, like whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's it probably can do a whole lot of things. Probably can. I very much like the design. Oh, it makes it makes me want to start wearing a watch now, just to get kind of used to the it, idea it's a, again. It's really, it's a piece of art on your wrist. I mean, it's beautiful. If you've seen the the uh, the pictures of it and the different strands and I mean the different bands, beautiful. 
He says he'll trade an Apple Watch for a Jahand. <laughs> what's a, what's a Jahand watch? I don't know. Maybe I guess on your hand. You can watch the Jihadists. I don't know. I said Jihad watch. That's funny. We need to get. There could be an app, right? Have you Jihad it? <laughs> we'll uh, we'll definitely have to talk, Miguel. We do have a call here over at Blog Talk Radio. Again, if you want to call in at seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. Who's this? Hey, boss. Your name is Dan again. Hi. Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I just wanted to sort of go back to the a prior subject regarding uh, the wars um, that I guess we're not winning uh, against the uh, Islam world and sort of my experience of that. Um, right. Okay. So I do have to correct uh, something that Bosch says, unfortunately. Um, I'm a former Marine, so I'm fairly intimate with the birthday of the of how the Marines were born, and it was in 1775 during the Revolutionary War, November 10th. So, Bosch is correct. We did go to war with the, I guess, it's called the Barbary War, right. against the Muslims, because they were definitely stealing things from the ships, so we took took care of business there. Um, so, that's just the only correction. So that, That's fine. I, don't, I, I appreciate it. So, no problem. Um, I had time to look it up on the book uh, just to make sure I got my facts straight too. Right. So, um, okay, so we haven't won a war since World War II, you know, based on right. some of the things I've been able to account for. You know, Korea, Vietnam, First Desert Storm, Iraq, Freedom, Afghanistan. Right. Um, soon, Afghanistan will turn into Iraq. I, I think, uh, you know, some of the things that helped put these into perspective for me was the book, Winning the Unwinnable War. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and they really made a strong case for the cause is just war theory, which is a derivation of the altruist uh, morality. And you know, going through the academy, uh, the, the Naval Academy, that you know, I know firsthand that this is the stuff that they push down uh, to upcoming officers and developing officers. And they don't right. stop there. Uh, once you've gone through there, they 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 do it again at the different uh, depending on what you're selection is, and uh, when I went through the Marines, and did it again there. So they make you very familiar with the law, uh, you know, the rules of engagement and things like that, and it's not to defend yourself. Um, and a lot of the Marines uh, that, that I was with sort of understood that. And I can only speak on my experience, so I'm, I need to make a disclaimer now. I don't speak for all Marines. I don't speak for the Marine Corps. I can only speak to my experiences, but I think, uh, you know, they're pretty common um, and so when I went to Afghanistan in 2010 um, we we were in the um, Helmand province Musakala or Musakala it depends on who you talk to how they pronounce it um, but it's just you know north of the Camp Levenick there and we went through our rules of engagement training and they were basically explaining that if there was any any chance uh, of a civilian being in some sort of a, a general region in which an enemy is shooting at you, that you couldn't shoot back if you had a means, a reasonable means of getting out of there. And they didn't really define what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of our better Marines is like, so you're telling me that if I see them shooting out of a window, I can't shoot back. And they're like, no. And it is like, is it, you know, is this are you serious? essentially was his response, at which point the law officer said, okay, it looks like, sounds like you guys need some remediation. 
Wow. And it just, it just was absolutely crazy. Um, so when we get, so, okay, so we went through the trainings that we said everything they wanted us to say. But at least in my little group, I think, I don't want to say too much. We had an understanding at least in how we were going to take care of ourselves there. Right. Anyway, so throughout the entire time there, um, while we were, this is, so we were at Camp Levin we got the rules and engagement training and they pushed out, pushed us out there. Um, we were not um, able to drop any type of munitions on any enemies that we've seen. Um, and the enemy knows what our rules of engagement are. I don't think I'm going to say what they are now, but right. they know what the rules of engagement are. And so they're, they're within the limits. And we have not been, you know, there's nobody around. But for some reason, because of the way the rules of engagement are, we're not able to, to drop any munitions. And, uh, you know, it's just, it just was insane. It's like we didn't want to win there. I, I don't, you know, I didn't understand it. And, uh, you know, my generation was the type that came in after 9-11. So oh, no doubt. I was in high school right. when it happened. And so I came in, and I really wanted to take care of the enemy. So there was, you know, there was drive. Well, there was, and, and, that, and that's no, the thing. No, I mean, you're, in, you know, you're, you're inspired by that, Our and then you can't do anything. Our government took this kind of passion to mm-hmm. the country and twisted it, perverted it to their political correct means. Well, and you know what, you know what it made me think of when you were describing the the way that they told you what your limitations were, it sounds so Kantian and Kantian, not just in the sense that it involves sacrifice, but in the method of basically paralyzing you from doing anything in your own self-defense, right? Because as you described it, you know, what is the reasonable ability to escape, right? In, In Kant's ethics, Kant says, well, Everything that you do that is moral is something for which the motive of duty is sufficient to determine the action. And basically what they mean there is if you have mixed motives, you have the motive of duty, but you also maybe have some other motive that wants, you know, makes you want to do whatever it is, some sort of self-serving motive perhaps. As long as the motive of duty is sufficient to determine the action, then you're okay. But anytime that you do have any selfish inclination at all, you're always doubting yourself, right? You're always thinking, well, maybe the motive right. of duty isn't sufficient to determine the action. Maybe I'm just kidding myself, you know? So then the only way you know you're safe is if you never act out of self-interest and only completely out of duty do things that you never want to do all the time. And then you know you're moral. And similarly... I mean, you're supposed to be doubting yourself all the time because, hey, you can never know whether you've got that reasonable ability to escape and the civilians are up there in the book. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, that, the way you're describing right. but it's, it, it's, it's exactly Kantian in sort of the method of crippling your brain and making you never do anything that's on your own behalf. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Kantian um, ethics because... The uh, in ethics class uh, at the academy, that's that's more or less what they were um, pushing, uh, for lack of a better term. They would represent others, but more or less content was what they spent the most time on in their categorical imperatives and whatnot. Well, so, in some ways you have to spend the most time on it just to explain the twisted reasoning that the guys got. <laughs> but, I mean, I sure. you know, when I, was, when I was teaching at the Air Force Academy, I taught Kant as well, and I could teach a you know, a whole one-hour lecture on Kant totally out of my head because I'd memorized, you know, I was a math major, so I can memorize the 
proof of the categorical imperative and the four examples and the both, you know. Um, so I was doing that for a few years. and But, you know, I think when you tell the truth about cons ethics and you don't push it on students, but you just expose it, I, I assume that maybe it doesn't sound so attractive. Right. You know, but you say, look, they basically make it, you know, the con has made it so that every time you have any self-interest or inclination at all involved, you're going to doubt whether you should be doing that thing. And so the only thing you feel very safe doing is the one that's totally self-sacrificial, and that's what they've got you set up there for. So it's it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're talking to us now, Dan, because, I mean, being in that circumstance, yeah. you're, you're a lucky man. Yeah, uh, pretty fairly lucky. It was it was a pretty noisy tour, but we all made it home safe. So nothing, no horror stories, no nothing to be concerned about. So we're pretty fortunate in that in that tour. Just the again the betrayal of our of Washington to those who came in hungry to defend the country, and to tell them you right. can't do this, can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. There are innocent civilians all across the board. More or less, put yourself below them. You know, right? As if, as if, as if you were, as if you went there to die. Right. And as Afghanistan is a long war too, uh, which is brought out in that winning and winnable war book that I've been reading. I couldn't agree more. Afghanistan is right. not the right war. Yeah. No. Exactly. exactly. So on a happier note, um, I've changed subjects on it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. So the Apple Watch. I was so excited when I heard about that this week. Um, they, they read my mind. Um, you know, they, I was I was imagining what an Apple Watch would look like about two or three months ago, and they've, uh, uh, you know, what I wanted it to do for me, and they they've answered the mail. Absolutely, that's excellent. excellent. And about that. yeah, I mean, I, I have not purchased yet a Fitbit or any of these other devices, and you can imagine that this is going to have all of those types of features in in one gorgeous piece that you can wear um i'm i'm really looking forward to trying one on and i'm uh mikhail's gonna hook me up here and <laughs> i don't even know him i've got him all i'm trying to get delivered with a drone tonight right there's a drone out there deliver yeah. oh yeah drone delivery <laughs> of your apple watch i want an apple drone can i have an apple drone too mikhail that's the next thing that i want Make i want it look the, cool, though, the apple drone it has to look cool anything apple is going to make is going to look cool as far as i again, can tell. again i mean what i've seen is a work of art on your wrist, that's just it looks beautiful and it has all these things that you can do with it. So it's just it's bringing back the idea of watches. Anyway, definitely looking forward. What do you think about about the uh, the bigger phone, Dan? Do you like the bigger phone? Well, that was actually part of uh, what I was envisioning a couple months ago. You'd have a bigger phone where you wouldn't necessarily want to take it out of your pocket and use it so much, and so you would have to augment that right. with your 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 wrist watch. It can right. do what you need to do quickly, and if you need to get more in-depth, the bigger phone helps. Right, right, right. I like that thinking. I'm just thinking about this. Okay, you've got the the bigger iPad, the smaller iPad, the bigger phone, (laughs) the smaller phone, and the little watch. And (laughs) You could just kind of line them all up and... No, but they're operating in a world that, you know, they're just still producing. They're still doing great things, no matter what the hell is going on well, in the world. And, and again, that was where I was, I was trying to come up with, like I said, with a title for the show where here we are, we don't even have basic safety, and we yeah. have the coolest darn devices coming down the pipeline. It is At unbelievable. And, you know, I, I would say I would say that that Twitter story really kind of encompasses the whole 
problem right there because we are, I mean, you know, these high-tech companies, these social media companies, and, and, you know, kudos to Twitter for being able to have the bandwidth or the technology to catch these guys and shut their accounts down as quickly as they do. And then imagine that these people who are doing a great job of providing a, you know, a service to all of us by means of Twitter that we can all connect with each other. And then they're being threatened by barbarians from the Middle Ages. And what is our president doing? He's like, yeah, I get to go to Syria. This is so cool, right? And he uses Twitter also. So that's that's where we are. We're going to have this wonderful watch in our hands, and we're not going to know whether we're going to be safe tomorrow. And I (laughs) I mean, well, the I mean, that, we can always rely on Apple to, right, to do good right, things and our president right. to do bad things. Yes. It's almost a given. It's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's unbelievable. So we we need Cruz. We had a little Cruz mixed in there. Cruz is kind of my hope for the future, and I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, pull it off. Do you know that there's still people pushing Romney even today in a big piece, pushing Mitt Romney again? It's just shocking. But then at least they conceded the idea that, well, Cruz might come on, you know. I mean, people who are pushing for Mitt Romney are, are conceding and admitting that Cruz might have something going right now because of Obama, because of Hillary, because of no one's good anywhere. But Cruz is bringing something fresh, something new. You and mean it, the truth? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. The truth, moral I mean, righteousness? Look, he reads Ayn Rand on the floor of the Senate again and again for minutes. He you know, speaks about the evil of this enemy. He never praises Islam, ever. He, well, whether he will, I don't know, but he has not. That is significant. Every politician praises Islam, whether Republican or uh, Democrat. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. John in the chat room says, 103 shopping days till Christmas. It's gotten to the point now, I don't actually care about Christmas Day because Christmas Day is whenever the watch <laughs> is released. That's right. When the watch is released, that's, that's Christmas. Christmas. You know, I'm just, it, that's right. December 25th, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas will not so happen true. until that watch is yeah, released. And, and you know, part of the reason that Apple doesn't know exactly when it can be released, because, I mean, there's prototypes right. running around already. I'm sure it could happen by Christmas, but it's the FCC. Yep. It's new, new, well, you, you can hear the bureaucrats now, right? It's like, new device. Hmm. Yeah. How can we stall it? Well, Somehow, we haven't somewhere. seen anything like this before. Oh, speaking of which, have you guys heard of the antitrust laws against Apple and their oh, e-readers? Oh, gosh. You know, I am so torn about this, right? Because you can't figure out, because of the way that the, you know, the class action lawsuit things are so screwed up right now, right? There's the opt-in and the opt-out. and the, You basically have to opt out now. And I think it should be that you have to opt in. But you wonder, by opting out, would you be causing more paperwork and making more money go to the attorneys and their employees than if you just stay opted in and get your little you know, gift card or whatever it is that you're going to get for $5. But make sure you go spend it at Apple and spend more at Apple. Well, I don't know. Um I sent Apple a message saying, you know, these guys are saying they represent me. I don't remember telling them to. So I said if they wanted to, I would definitely uh, testify on their, their side, pretty, make a pretty good case of why I don't think I'm their victim. So I don't well, know who's and, the guy that, that works for Apple. Does he have any connections? I would totally testify. Well, and, and this is the thing, too. I think, are they doing some kind of settlement? 
Maybe. So if they if they choose not to go to court and do some sort of sen- settlement, then basically what they're going to do is they're going to give everybody some amount, you know, based on whatever's left after the lawyers scrape everything off the top. Lawyers take a huge yeah. chunk. And it, it's all a bunch of horrible BS. I mean, I'm sure it was spurred in part by Apple's competitors. And, I, I mean, Mikael, you know, what what do you think? Do you think we cost Apple more money by opting out? I mean, if you, if you opt out, I think part of the threat is that you might yourself want to choose to bring your own proceeding another time or something because you're not being represented. So there could be a whole other class of people who opted out and then put themselves together and then try to sue Apple. Good luck, but... I mean, it's it's just it's just ridiculous the whole premise of it. And my point is, well, okay, I want to cause the, I don't I don't want to put any more money in these attorneys' pockets or in their employees' pockets. And so I would like to keep my, more money going into Apple's pockets. So if we're going to get whatever the settlement is in the form of some gift card, then I would just go bring it back to Apple and spend <laughs> more money again with them. And that's my answer to these bastards who sue them for antitrust. Um, but someone can tell me if they happen to know the logistics of this. But I'm because it's an opt-out situation, I'm suspecting that if you make noise and you opt out, then you're causing you know uh, problems. Basically, you're just you're just causing more paperwork to have to happen. And I would rather have less paperwork and everything go smooth. And then, but, you know, then you say, okay, well, there's the principle of it. You say, look, I don't agree with this. Now, I could, you know, again, write a letter like you and say, hi, Apple, I don't believe in this. Um, My form of showing you that I don't believe in this is, you know, whatever amount I get, I'm going to spend that again with you guys and just keep you guys in business. And and I'm waiting for my watch. (laughs) I want my watch. (laughs) Can I spend right. it on my watch? That's what I want to know. The watch is pretty expensive, so it'll be like a $3, you know, credit or something. I'll put it towards the watch. And yay. Mikhail says, yay, keep me employed. That's what he says. So let's let's keep him employed. He says, just put it in escrow. I like it. I like it. I think I actually do have a gift card, like, waiting for my next Apple device. I'm just going to do it. Um. <laughs> Bosch wants to end the show on a joke. Are you okay with a that, joke? Dan? You don't have to, you don't I'm fine. <laughs> well, there's an onion story. It says, poll, 80% of Americans would get in a vehicle with stranger for a chance at new life. Hilarious. <laughs> the onion. How about 80% of Americans would get in a vehicle with a stranger so long as Barack Obama was no longer president? Yes. How about that one? And, and so long as, well, the stranger can't can be Barack Obama because we know him. How about brain-dead teen, only capable of rolling eyes and texting to be euthanized? No. That's, that's an old story. No, that's, no, no. I don't like that one. An uh, old story on the onion. We've got very little time down. left, Dan. We've got to let you go. But thanks very much no, for calling fine. again. Thanks, and man. again, thank you for your service, and we are glad Absolutely. that you survived it. So um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone in the chat room. We, again, stayed on longer than we intended, but we thank you for hanging out with us. If you want to continue the discussion, go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com and leave comments there. You can also check out all the program notes for today's show and figure out your favorite method of supporting our show, whether you want to share it, whether you would like to shop at Amazon. I've got a handy-dandy Amazon link that you can use to help support our show. 
Uh, doesn't cost you anything extra. Just buy what you normally buy, and we get a percentage, so that's always nice. Or you can donate cash directly. We don't mind that through PayPal. We have a link again at the bottom of the post for today's show. So that, thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. And we will be back here next week again, and hopefully with a bunch of better news. We want more Apple news. Yes. This is the good stuff. Yes. Watch Apple. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Have a good evening. <laughs>